Okay, I think we should get rolling. Um, the hour is upon us. So uh, I hope you got, if you didn't grab any notes as you walked in, there's stuff on the, on the chair outside each one of the doors. Um, I'm going to open us in prayer and then we'll, um, we'll get going. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this night and for the chance to come together and study both your word and your creation. And, and we pray that you would help us to um, be renewed in the attitudes of our minds as we work to put on the new self of Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, so I just want to recap briefly last week where we were and then um, talk about, about your homework. And then we're going to get into kind of our, our focus today, which is going to be mostly on starting new habits. We're going to work on changing habits more next week, okay? Um, so just to recap, uh, last week we talked about understanding the process of habit formation. And um, we, we used that uh, scripture from the um, book of Romans that I think is so powerful, where Paul says, um, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve. Well, um, we talked about um, the idea of being renewed in the attitudes of our minds and what that looks like. Um, oh gosh, I have a note. Before I say anything else, there's a red Nissan with its lights on in the parking lot. You may have a red Nissan. Your, your lights are shining, okay? <clears throat> um, so we, uh, two big takeaways from last week. I want you to remember about this idea of renewing our minds. Uh, and the first was uh, about our sort of brain anatomy. We talked about uh, the fact that there's something called the basal ganglia, which is part of your brain right at the brain stem. Uh, it's one of the oldest parts of the brain. And it's the part of your brain that controls uh, automatic behaviors and habits. It's distinct from the parts of your brain that control uh, logic and reason and memory. Uh, and so we talked about the way that behavior so that we can memorize behaviors and perform them without having to use our logic and reason to do them, right? And so <clears throat> the idea of habit formation is it's not a logical, reasonable, rational process, right? It's something that's uh, done in a completely different part of your brain, and it happens automatically. You can make body form a habit. Um, it happens automatically whether you want it to or not in, in, in most of our lives. <clears throat> Big takeaway from last week was the, the habit loop, uh, which is this thing up here on the board, uh, and it's the, the idea that every, um, every habit has a cue, a routine, and a reward, uh, and the... Um, the, the cue is that thing that triggers your brain to say, okay, employ the basal ganglia and execute habit 33, whatever habit 33 is, right? Walk and talk. Um, uh, and then the, the routine is, is the act, acting out of that habit. And the reward is something that happens that encourages you, that says, yep, that was worth it. The, the habit worked successfully. And the idea, and this is really critical, the idea is that between the cue and the reward, your conscious mind uh, tones it down. Okay? Uh, you, you don't have to think consciously about the routine part. Or, or you don't have to think as consciously as you do uh, about other aspects of your life. So uh, the, the, um, the idea of that habit loop is that it's neither good or bad. Right? It's not that... Um, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Our brain, uh, but our brains don't distinguish between good and bad habits when they form habits. They don't say, wow, it's really a good idea to learn to walk and talk at the same time. But it's a bad idea to become addicted to methamphetamines, right? Our body just learns the habit, okay? Um, okay, those two big ideas um, kind of make sense from last week? Okay, great. Um, so then you had some homework this week, and your homework was something of a habit you either wanted to start or to change. Um, so we're going to this week. Um, anybody, just by a show of hands, who came up with a habit they wanted to start this week? Who, who am I starting habit people? Okay, a lot of starting habit people. Okay, good. Changing habit Who's got a habit they want to change? Okay, good. Um, so if you're a starting habit person, um, somebody be brave, raise your hand and tell me what, what your habit is you want to start. Um, hopefully it's a socially acceptable habit. Um, <laughs> what, what habit do you want to start? Tell me. Sarah. Okay, fantastic. How often? Every day. Okay, fantastic. Great. Okay, anybody else? Um, sure. Baby steps. Awesome. Reading the devotional every day. Love it. Love it. 
Um, we should get someone to write like a summary of like which chapters to read every week. You can just read that. Okay, done that okay. Uh, <clears throat> okay good. The little, my habit is to be less snarky. That's my habit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Excellent. That's a great one. Okay, other, other habits. Here's uh, Linda. Uh-huh. 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 Excellent. Awesome. So Linda is talking about um, stress and uh, working on a new habit of breathing deeply uh, that helps alleviate stress. Love it. That's great. That's great. Um, one more. Jean. Excellent habit. Okay. Jean's goal is to get to Her habit is to get to bed by 10 o'clock. Okay. Fantastic. Um, let's pick one of those. Um, well, I'm just going to do yours because okay. um, so, uh, the, the habit is to get, to get to bed by 10 o'clock. All right. Now tell me really quick, if you look at our habit loop, anybody, um, um, what part is get to bed by 10 o'clock? What part of the habit loop is that? That's the routine, right? Okay. So we're saying the routine Jean wants to establish is, um, by 10 o'clock, she's in bed going to sleep. That's the routine. Okay. Um, so the cue and the reward, and, and there could be lots of them, right? Anybody have any ideas of what a cue or a reward could look like in that situation? Cheryl? Okay, so the cue could be the clock. Okay, that's possible. Good. So let's say, um, we'll, we'll co- we're going to talk about forming cues and forming rewards tonight. That's our main idea, okay? But that's a great idea. So the cue could be the clock, okay? And what could the reward be? Not being crabby the next day. Okay, good. Uh, what did you say, Wendy? Okay, feeling really good in the morning. Great. Um, any other ideas for rewards? Okay, getting up earlier. Okay. Um, any ideas for cues? Okay, great. You have your phone. Do some kind of alert or music. My, my phone does a bedtime uh, thing for me every night, which I stay up longer. Um, yeah, Scott. The end of Seinfeld. When Seinfeld zins, go to bed, right? That's, um, okay. My, my, my initial point in this is uh, for any given routine, there is a multiplicity of potential cues and rewards, right? Uh, and there's not a right cue or a right reward for most routines. There could be a wrong cue or a wrong reward. We'll talk about that, okay? But, but, but in general, there's a wrong one. Do me a favor, you'd silence yourself. Really helpful. <coughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Okay. Um, so uh, we're going to think a little bit about... Um, Picking our cues and our rewards. I think picking the routine is pretty obvious, right? If you've got a habit you want to start, you already know the routine. The routine is, uh, I want to read the devotional every day. Uh, the routine is, I want to exercise on the treadmill. The routine is, I want to work on my deep breathing. Um, that's easy. It's the cue and the reward that's critical if we want to start the routine, okay? If we want to start the habit. Well, I want to begin um, by thinking about reward planning. We're going to spend a lot of time on that tonight and a little bit of time on cue planning at the end, and uh, we'll just see how that goes. And if we get uh, uh, if we get far enough, we may talk a little about changing habits, but I'm not sure we'll make it that far tonight. Um, so, <clears throat> out of curiosity, uh, just by a show of hands, uh, I'm curious uh, about, we're, we're going to talk about addictions in a couple weeks, but I got a couple of addiction questions this morning. So as we think about, uh, or this evening, as we think about different narcotics, I'm curious what you think are the most addictive narcotics, okay? So I'm going to name a few, and I want you by a show of hands to say which ones you think are the most addictive, okay? So uh, I'm going to say... Um, alcohol, tobacco, marijuana, cocaine, and heroin. There's five, okay? Alcohol, tobacco, um, what did I say? Um, marijuana, cocaine, and heroin, okay? Um, by a show of hands, who thinks that um, alcohol is the most addictive of those substances? Okay, nobody. Who thinks that tobacco is the most addictive of those substances? Okay? Thank you. I should have said That's probably the, the drug. Okay, good. Okay, a number of folks. Who thinks that marijuana is the most addictive of those substances? Nobody. Okay. Who thinks that cocaine is the most addictive of those substances? Okay. Number. Who thinks that heroin is the most addictive of those substances? Okay. Great. Uh, so uh, it looked to me like heroin followed by nicotine followed by cocaine was kind of the, the, the consensus of the group. <clears throat> so it, it turns out that um, uh, about 35% of people that inject heroin become addicted, which is pretty high. Uh, compared to most other drugs. So 
cocaine is about 22% of cocaine users become addicted to cocaine. Uh, about 8% of people who do marijuana become addicted, which is a complicated conversation we'll have later because theoretically it's not an addictive drug, but in practice it actually is. Um, and about 4% of people that drink alcohol become addicted. Um, about 4%. Okay? Um, tobacco or nicotine is by far away the most addictive substance. 80% of people who smoke cigarettes or, or take nicotine will become addicted to it. So 35% for heroin, 80% for nicotine. Um, now there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, and some of them are because more people take nicotine uh, and uh, it's more right? So I can, so I can go on a cigarette break and my boss is okay with that. If I go on a heroin break, my boss is probably going to let me go, right? Um, so so there are, there's more social deterrence to heroin use and heroin addiction. Um, but I don't think that's the main reason. And, and when I say I don't think, I mean uh, Dr. David uh, Lindell, who's a neurobiologist. Um, uh, Dr. Lindell suggests that the, the main reason that nicotine is so much more addictive than heroin is because of the, the way the reward functions. Okay, so if you're uh, and, and you're a heavy user, so you use heroin on a regular basis, you, you might be injecting um, maybe four, maybe even five times a day, which is quite a lot, okay? Uh, and if you're doing that, uh, you, you inject your, your drug into your blood system, about 15 seconds later you get the high, and, it, and then for about three plus hours, um, you're under some effect of that, okay? Um, but it wanes as, as kind of time goes on. Uh, if you're a cigarette user, uh, and you take a puff on your cigarette, in about the same amount of time, about 15 seconds, uh, that nicotine starts affecting you through your bloodstream. Uh, but the difference is, you can take another puff in the next 30 seconds, right? Uh, and, and so with nicotine, with, with cigarette, for example, it keep coming. And even though they're not as profound as heroin, they're more frequent, okay? Uh, and so the idea is uh, that uh, our brains respond to the frequency of the reward more powerfully than they respond to the intensity of the reward, okay? So heroin's a more intense reward, nicotine's more frequent, nicotine's more habit-forming. Okay? You're much more likely to be addicted to it, you're going to learn a habit of that more quickly because of the frequency of the reward. Um, you see this in other aspects of our, uh, our behavior, um, our, our, uh, like video games a lot. <clears throat> Back in the day, um, video games well, would be a, a, a long game, uh, like a Super Mario Brothers. You remember Super Mario Brothers? Okay. Uh, so uh, long game, very difficult. At the very end of the game, there's the payout, right, which is you win. And then other than that, um, you're just playing and there's lots of difficulty and um, nothing happens. And it's fun, right? It's fun at the end of that to get that payout and win. Um, but that's a relatively infrequent reward, right? Play a video game today on almost any system, you're going to find rewards that are constant. Right? Uh, you're going to have achievements, and you're going to have levels, and you're going to have quests, and you're going to have uh, abilities, and you're going to have all this stuff, uh, because video gamers understand that if they give you lots of, of frequent, small rewards, instead of just beating the level, beating the game, um, you're more likely to keep using their product and keep buying and keep spending money. Okay? Um, anybody ever trained a dog? <clears throat> uh, uh, if you've ever trained a dog, you see this as well, right? If you, if you, if you have a dog and you're trying to teach your dog to, um, uh, I don't know, sit, right? And every time your dog sits, you give him a steak, right? Um, let's say you give him flame and yawn, okay? Now, first of all, your dog loves the heck out of you, right? Is your dog going to learn to sit? Maybe, right? Uh, eventually. Um, but, but the problem is, what happens when you give a dog a steak? Well, it takes them a while to eat the whole steak, Right? I mean, uh, so if you say sit, and they sit, and you give them a steak, and they eat the steak, and then you say sit again, well, no, they're eating the steak, right? <laughs> There's nothing you can do that will take them away from that flame and yawn. <clears throat> um, if you give the dog uh, a tiny, tiny piece of a, a treat, right, every time the dog sits, the dog's going to learn to sit a lot faster, right? Because the frequency trains them more effectively. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, there's one other component of this that's really important, um, uh, and this is uh, when I say frequency, I don't mean necessarily consistency. So, uh, go back to the dog training example. Um, ever, ever taught a dog how to come on command? Like he's across the field, and, you know, Fido, come. Um, if you've done that, you begin by always rewarding them, right? So the first 50 times they do it, they always get a treat. And then you want to start infrequently rewarding them, right? Why, why is that? Anybody know why that is? 
learn the behavior, so they know to do it on command. Um, what happens if they come and you don't give them the treat? You might get bit, right? What did you say, Joan? <clears throat> okay. Right. The thing in, what happens if you consistently don't give them a reward? What, what happens to a habit loop if you take the reward out? It breaks, right? It stops working. Um, so if you have a dog, and every time a dog ever comes, uh, and then you don't carry treats on your person all the time, and occasionally you call the dog and he comes and you don't give him anything, uh, and then you never give him a treat again because you figure he's learned the skill, eventually he's going to stop coming, right? Um, but if you reward the dog infrequently, right, which, which I'm sorry, uh, not frequently, but inconsistently, uh, in, what's the right word? If you don't do it every time, right, there's got to be a bigger word that means not every time. Uh, intermittently, thank you, Wendy. I needed a teacher for this. Okay. <clears throat> if you reward the dog intermittently, um, then the dog's going to say, okay, I didn't get the reward that time, but I know there's a reward coming. I'm going to come back again next time, right? This is how slot machines work, right? You don't, you don't get a reward every time. You get rewarded intermittently, but it's frequent enough that you think you're still going to get another payout, right? Um, if you've got a reward every time, um, and then all of a sudden they cut off the flow, you would say, well, it doesn't work anymore, right? It's like going to a, this is the difference between a soda machine and a slot machine, right? If you go to a soda machine and you put the money and nothing comes out, you walk away, right? You go to a slot machine, put the money and nothing comes out, you say, well, I'll try it again. Because one gives you a, a, a consistent reward, one's intermittent. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, so all that is to say uh, that the first component of, of, of structuring a reward is that um, we, we are creatures that are, that are um, compelled by short-term gains. Okay? Um, and we, the, the more immediate and frequent our rewards, the more likely we are to, to buy into the habit. Um, and, and one of the things we do most um, incorrectly in trying to structure habits is we, we try to structure them around long-term goals, Right? I'm going to exercise because I want to lose 50 pounds and look like the rock, okay? Um, that's a long-term goal. It's not a very good long-term goal for me. Um, it's a long-term goal, and it, it's so far out, I cannot motivate myself in, in, in a habit loop to live into that, okay? I need a short-term reward that's going to help me towards that long-term goal, okay? I need to say, um, uh, I'm going to um, get a smoothie, every time I go exercise, okay? There's my short-term reward. Now, long-term, still rock, which I, you know, it could happen. Come on. Um, everyone always laughs. <laughs> um, but the but smoothie is my short, because I'm, because we're, okay? By the way, applications for our spiritual lives. So if you look at the Bible again and again, uh, as scripture, uh, or as Jesus, or, or his father, or any of the apostles talk to us uh, about what faith looks like. Uh, over and over again, it's this idea that we're called to be people who um, focus on the long term despite our natural proclivity towards short-term gains. <clears throat> so think about, uh, well, think about Hebrews 11.1, 1, right? Where the author says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And the whole idea of faith in Scripture is, uh, I don't see these, like I'm not getting the reward yet. Right, so uh, the, the book of Hebrews talks about all these heroes in the 11th chapter, all these heroes from Adam and Abraham all the way through um, Moses and David who were promised great things but didn't receive them and yet kept believing they were coming. Okay? That's kind of the theme of that 11th chapter is that um, God promises us great things. Faith is trusting those promises even though we don't. In other words, faith is saying, I believe in that long-term gain and I'm going to trust it over a short-term reward. Okay? Um, this is really hard. I'm going back to this in a minute, but this is, this is a big idea. Um, so this is, you know, right? So w w in the church, we talk about the idea that we're called to um, uh, be married before we have sex. Well, there's a short-term game of having sex, right? Which is pretty powerful. Um, the long-term goal of getting married first is the, the natural thing for us to do uh, is to sleep around and test it out. Um, but Christ doesn't call us natural, right? He calls us to be supernatural. Uh, and so the idea of faith, the idea of following God is again and again to, to work on our tendency uh, towards short-term gain and say, no, we're, we're going we're gonna to say the long-term goals of God outweigh the short-term goals of our, of our own lives. Does that, does that kind of make sense? It's a, it's a huge idea. Questions about that? Ask me a question. No, I'm just Come on. About, I have a that I have up on my wall 
Yes. That's great. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Uh, the the, the on, 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 on wall, there's a, um, there's a, at work, there's a poster that basically says we want kids to trust that not for, uh, not to obey us for reward or punishment's sake, but to trust that we have the best interest at heart. Um, exactly, right? That it's that long-term idea. So I actually was in the hospital today with someone who's um, um, uh, very critically ill, and we were talking about, um, with the spouse, we were talking about death. And I was saying, you know, in, in our short-term view, we see death as a crisis, right? We see death as the end of our time with someone. In God's long-term view, death is almost irrelevant, right? I mean, if you're going to have infinity years with somebody, uh, what happens around year 67 or 89 is irrelevant, right? Because for God, it's like, well, there's a blip on the radar and then you're alive again forever. Um, so so our, well, our, our short-term view of the world of death uh, contrasts with God's long-term view of the world. And we have to try to live in his long-term view. It's not natural for us. Does that make sense? Okay, that's true about sin. That's true about suffering. I mean, the, all those core messages of scripture say, um, here's the key. Uh, and, and this is the... the the first thing I want you to do with the reward thing, we're wired for short-term. God calls us to long-term. To get there, we have to do both. Okay? So if, if you want to um, form a new habit of going to bed at 10 o'clock, it's not going to work to say, um, I have a long-term goal of being a well-rested person because that will help me serve God better. Right? That, that, that is an important concept, um, but you've got to couple that with a short-term reward. Right? The short-term reward has to be um, something much more tangible and immediate, right? And, and often when you begin, uh, it's going to be something that, you know, it's on time, then tomorrow I'll, when I wake up, I'll get a candy bar. I don't know why I'm motivated by food, obviously, but <clears throat> whatever it might be, right? You've you got to have something that's short-term. The key is, um, as you're playing your habit, um, your rational brain is thinking with, about the long-term. But, as you're, but you're working on your irrational brain, that needs the short term. You've got to put them together. Okay? Um, and we usually do one or the other. We usually have just the short term reward with no long term purpose. Right? That's how we end up with habits that aren't good for us. Or we have the long term goal, I want to be fit as a fiddle, without any scholar and I can have debates with um, somebody famous, Rob Bell, <laughs> uh, whatever, uh, or me. Uh, that's the long-term goal. The short-term goal. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, okay. Uh, <clears throat> big takeaway for habits for us. Um, so just um, what, one more illustration of this. That's helpful. Um, if I can get this to work. Okay, hold on. I'm, I'm doing a little technical thing here, and I need the TV. So, uh, if you think about habit formation, one of the things we've worked on is how addictive tobacco is. Um, our culture's worked a lot on trying to get kids off tobacco, right? I, I said we're moving conversation. Um, if you're going to get kids off tobacco, um, you've got to recognize that your main problem is um, that kids are short-term motivated. Right? Uh, so, I remember being in high school talking to one of my friends who smoked cigarettes, and um, he, he said, uh, I said something like, hey, dude, obviously you're an idiot because cigarettes are bad for you. And he was like, I don't care. And I said, I mean, you could lose like 20 years of your life. And he said, I don't care, right? If I die at 60 instead of 80 at this point in my life, I actually don't care. And now, obviously, I think he's wrong to not care, but I can't control what he wants, right? I can't control. Uh, so when we tell kids don't smoke um, because smoking is going to make you um, lose 20 years of your life, they're going to say, neat, but I don't care, right? That's a short-term, that's a long-term goal that doesn't rel isn't relevant for me. Short-term, I need something more tangible. So they really interesting uh, campaigns. You've maybe seen some of these before uh, that are designed to help kids stop smoking. And I want you to notice what the, um, what the reward 
uh, in this uh, commercial to try to get kids off the habit of smoking. See if this works. Okay. And there we go. Is there a new volume? Oh dear. There we go. Okay. What's a pack of smokes cost? Your smooth skin. Smoking causes wrinkles that age you prematurely. What are cigarettes costing you? Okay. Uh, sorry, technical problems. If you couldn't tell what happened, um, she comes up to the, the counter and says, I want to buy these cigarettes. And the guy behind the counter says, uh, the woman behind the counter says, that's not enough money. And she peels off part of her skin and puts it on the counter, right? Uh, and the point, the takeaway is, cigarettes uh, will affect your skin, right? Um, why does that matter for a 16-year-old? Exactly, right? To the end of my life. But I care how... It, it, to, maybe to us it sounds... Tr- but, but to a 16-year-old... That's a much more effective commercial than don't do it, you might die younger than you expect. Right? Um, our rewards, we talked last week about the idea that rewards are usually more effective than habit formation. Because if you think about our rewards or our punishments, so <clears throat> earlier we talked about, um, oh, it was Gene's desire to go to bed earlier. And we talked about rewards uh, and we said a whole bunch of things, you know, you'll be more well-rested, you'll feel better, whatever else. Um, which of those rewards, or what, what are some um, short-term rewards that could make her to go to bed at 10 o'clock? Okay, not having to watch the news is a fantastic reward, yeah. Um, not having to watch the news, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Okay, great. So you, you might have, um, the, the first day you do this, and you might have the reward of saying, well, I feel better, right? I, I'm more rested, I'm more alert, um, I just feel better in general. Um, and you can, if, if you that uh, intentionally with going to bed earlier, that actually would be an immediate reward, right? Um, and, and that's one of those behaviors, just if, you're, if you sleep poorly and you, and you get in that habit, you could have some immediate change, okay? Um, what about um, uh, Cheryl had a goal of doing a devotional every day? Um, what's, a re- what's a reward for, for that that's immediate? It's a little harder. It's a lot harder. Okay. Um, okay, fantastic. So, uh, exactly. So Joel said, uh, uh, if, you, if you're a person who loves coffee in the morning, you look forward to coffee every day, connect your coffee to your Bible study, right? To say, all right, um, when I get up in the morning, I'm craving that coffee. I can't wait to have it. I'm going to not have my coffee until I do my Bible study. And then it becomes my reward for Bible study, okay? All of a sudden, um, I'm connecting something I love doing, coffee, with something I want to be doing, um, the Bible, and it becomes a reward. Now, that's a good reward for several You already love it, right? So you don't have to convince yourself it's good. Now, the problem with something um, I'll come back to this later, but the problem with something like reading the Bible as a routine is we're not necessarily convinced that it's good, right? Intellectually, we're convinced that it's good, um, but experientially and on the, on the basal ganglia le- level, we don't crave Bible study, okay? Um, so connect something that you already love. Uh, the other reason that that's a great reward is it's consistent, right? And you're going to probably have your cup of coffee every day. Um, so, uh, and, and, and you can control that reward, right? So you can say, I'm not going to have my coffee until I do my Bible study. Okay? Does that make sense? That's a great reward. You get a gold star. Okay? Uh, do, you, uh, do you want something you want to say as well, Gene? <clears throat> it's okay. Do it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Excellent. Okay. Um, 
So Jean said, uh, when, when she does her devotion, on days when she does not do her devotional, she finds herself more stressed as the day goes on. On days when she does, she finds uh, that she has more peace. She feels like she's got, you know, God, the, the, the Holy Spirit helping her throughout the day. Um, okay, huge important point between what Joel said and what Jean said, okay? So the, if, my, if my first take about reward formation is the short-term, long-term idea, uh, and the idea that um, to, to create a new habit, you really need to couple them, right? You need an intentionality about who you want to become long-term. You need a short-term reward that is tangible as, as you go. Um, my, my, my biggest is exactly what they just said, that there's a distinction between external rewards, your coffee, and internal when you do your habit, okay? And you begin a habit, it's often easier to begin with an external reward, okay? Um, as it progresses, you ultimately to make your way to an internal reward. That's going to be more long-lasting. Does that make sense? So, um, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Um, what, what an awesome transition. So, yeah, here's the challenge. Over time, um, most rewards uh, become, uh, we become satiated on most rewards. Okay? So, um, again, this is, I'm not trying to do addictions right now, but this is most obvious with addictions, right? So, if, uh, if you drink alcohol on a regular basis, um, over time, it takes more alcohol for the same effect, right? We, we all know this, right? So if you're a lightweight, which means you don't drink very often, or maybe sometimes it means you're literally light and weight, but, but if you don't drink very often, you're going to get drunk quickly. And if your body can itself to alcohol, your body can um, build up some resistance or tolerance to the drug. Okay? This, this is true for all kinds of habits and behaviors, not just drug-related habits and behaviors, okay? We build up a tolerance, and over time, um, the, that one reward I did may, may be as effective, okay? Uh, so this is where um, moving from the external is so helpful. Um, when I begin doing my Bible study and in the morning, uh, initially, that's a great reward, right? I, I, I couple those in my mind. I'm excited about it. Over time, my goal is that there'll be something internal in me uh, that desires that Bible study, not just the external thing of the coffee, okay? Um, uh, okay. So when we, we find that the reward is uh, insufficient to the task, we can either increase the frequency, increase the volume, or, or I'd say go internal, right? And, and obviously going internal is our best bet. Um, so... Uh, in this wonderful book, The Power of Habit, and there's a for breeze. Okay, a couple of folks. Um, out of curiosity, how do you use it? Like, when do you when do you for breeze? Do you for breeze carpet, tennis shoes, furniture. Okay, great. Um, so the, the the book talks about the creation of for breeze, and um, this this guy makes for breeze in a accident and comes home one day and he. Huge smoker, and his wife says, oh my gosh, did you give up smoking? And he says, what are you talking about? And it turns out one of the chemicals in the lab uh, that he made actually destroys scent, right? And, and it becomes this big breakthrough. Uh, and then uh, Procter & Gamble, who, for whom this uh, one people have always said, hey, we'd love to have it. Uh, and they, they can't market it, okay? So all marketing comes down to this basic idea, right? Everybody wants to give you a cure between a reward. So if they're going to sell you anything, um, this is what they're thinking, right? Uh, it goes back to the guy who made, made Pepsodent toothpaste famous, right? Who said, you know, there's, there's a film on your teeth. When you feel it running, running your tongue across your teeth, you feel a little film there. He says, that's what makes your teeth unclean and gives you tartar. It's all lies. That's not true at all. But that's what he said. Um, it was incredibly effective. And he said, if you, if you feel that film, that's your cue. Routine, brush your teeth, reward. Your teeth feel um, shiny and clean again, okay? And you're going to have this great smile. And he actually couples the short-term reward your teeth feel clean, and the long-term reward, you're going to have great dental teeth, teeth for a long time, right? Uh, so all marketing is like that. Everybody who ever tries to sell you anything, uh, if they know what they're doing, and most of them do, are modeling on this habit loop, okay? The problem with Febreze was uh, they had a product uh, that the people who most needed it um, neither could see the cue nor appreciate So uh, they, they went into the home of a, a lady who owned nine cats, which is a lot of cats. No offense if you own nine cats, but nine is too many. Uh, and uh, the house smelled like cats, right? Big surprise. Uh, the problem with smell is that the way smell works is you, you only really smell change in smell. 
right? So if you're in a room uh, with, a, with a funky smell long enough, the smell disappears to you. Which means uh, Febreze, which is designed to eliminate odors, um, the cue for Febreze, the natural cue would be, well, it smells bad, right? They don't smell the bad smells, right? Because they live with them. And the reward would be it smells good now, and they don't smell the bad smells, so they don't care about the reward, right? So Febreze, which was an incredibly technological breakthrough, they couldn't sell it. They couldn't move the product because nobody wanted it who needed it, right? Um, By the way, this is what we were talking about um, doing devotionals. I think this is true for most spiritual practices, right? People to pray, the problem with pray is they don't have a natural cue to pray, and they're not convinced they need to pray. Right? So neither the cue nor the reward immediately resonates with them. So how do you get someone into a habit loop when cues and rewards are elusive? Okay? Um, part of it is what Joel said. Right? Something that they already appreciate as a reward and you couple them together. Right? Um, so nobody said toothbrushing was a reward, but, but having that um, feeling of smooth teeth was a new reward he created that we all said, oh, we like that. That feels good, smooth teeth. Okay. Um, by the way, that, that film in your teeth is really good for you and it keeps the pl- tartar off. He was, everything he said was a pack of lies, but he made millions. So. And yes. Yes. Exactly. It's the same circle. So exactly right. Uh, so Febreze ultimately did try to convince people that they had a problem they didn't recognize. But the first thing they did was they created a whole different habit loop. So they said, um, hey, how about um, clean your house? At the end of cleaning your house, you have this satisfaction, oh, I've cleaned this room, it looks good. And then you spray your Febreze as the station for a job well done. Okay? Um, and that, bizarrely enough, worked wonders started selling millions of products. They added perfume to it, right? The whole point of Febreze was to remove smell. They added perfume to it so it would smell. Uh, and then finally they said, hey, like years later, have you noticed that your houses smell better? It's not the perfume, it's this magic product, right? Um, the, w- what they found was that, um, um, you know, we can engineer a loop, but we need some kind of craving, okay? We, we, we need something that you want already, whether it's the coffee you want already or something else you want already. You want something to make a habit loop really take off. Um, yeah, I found you this. So there was, a, there was a gentleman whose name escapes me who did a study on monkeys, which is, you know, the, the two favorite animals of all um, uh, n- brain researchers are monkeys and rats. Um, so th- this guy had a monkey named Julio, and um, uh, he, I think he was a macaw, so he was a small little monkey, and um, he would put this wire in Julio's brain and put him in front of a TV with these flashing lights and symbols and stuff. Uh, and then there was a, a tube that would drop a, a, one drop of like, I think it was blackberry or blueberry juice or some kind of juice in Julio's lips if he hit the um, button at the right time uh, to match the screen. And initially, Julio thought it was stupid. He's a monkey, right? So he's like, get me out of this chair. And then he got the juice. and He's like, oh, juice. I like the juice. Uh, and then slowly but surely he began to associate, oh, the juice comes when I hit the lever when the screen is blue or whatever it was. I don't know. Um, and over time, um, he started, they could train him and he got obsessed with it, right? And he was really good at this game because he really wanted his juice. And you could see the wires in his brain. You could see, uh, you know, the shape happens on the screen. He hits the lever. The juice comes down and boom, I got a reward, right? And, and the activity in his brain peaks, right? There's something really exciting happening, okay? Uh, and at that moment, um, Julio's kind of learning this habit, right? And the habit is pretty straightforward, right? It's, um, he sees the cue, his computer screen, the routine, he pulls the lever, he gets the reward, the juice, right? Make sense? Um, what they found over time, which was really interesting, is that the more he did this, the more he began to crave or anticipate the reward, okay? Um, which means eventually his brain started looking like this, okay? Shape on the screen, cue, look at his brain, I've got a reward. He hasn't even pulled the lever yet. Okay? Then he pulls the lever. Then he gets the juice. Okay? Fascinating. Um, this, is, this is what happens um, in, in a really defined habit, especially in an addiction, right? Um, where you begin to en- enjoy it even before uh, you engage in the routine. Okay? Uh, and this is, again, neither good or bad. It's just, it's just what happens with cravings. 
So if you ever, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't drink coffee in the morning, but I, uh, like, the favorite part of my morning routine is my hot shower, right? And so I get up in the morning, and I get the baby up, and I change his diaper, and I go downstairs into the dishwasher, put all the dishes away, play with the baby for a while. Krista comes down. Uh, she takes the baby and, and, and feeds him, and I say, I've got, I've got 15 minutes before the other kids get up. I'm going to go upstairs, shower, and shave. It's going to be amazing. And I look forward to that, like, all morning long, right? Out of bed, the bed is mostly the screaming of the baby. The thing that keeps me going throughout the morning is I'm going to get a hot shower, right? It's going to be great. Uh, and I anticipate the reward long before it happens. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, that idea of, of, of training your brain to anticipate or to crave the reward is, is part of, um, well, it can be dangerous. It's part of how addiction works. It's also how we move from an external to an internal reward, right? But over time, I say, boy, um, I love to exercise, and I partly exercise because I'm going to get my smoothie at the end. Um, but, but now I'm kind of craving the smoothie, and I'm kind of craving the exercise. And over time, I'm enjoying that for an internal reason, not just an external reason. It's not just the smoothie. I'm enjoying it before the, the smoothie even comes into play. Right? Um, and once I have that craving for the routine, then I can begin to substitute some, ex, some um, internal rewards, right? I'm, I'm craving to do it, so I'm craving to do it, and um, maybe I don't need the smoothie anymore because I'm really enjoying looking at myself in the mirror after exercise and... <laughs> That's never been the case, but whatever it might be, right? Um, the, but, but the craving idea is the idea that um, we anticipate the reward, and that helps us internalize the habit loop. It helps us to, to get involved. It makes me um, get up in the morning and not just say, ah, I don't want to exercise today. Or as soon as I hear that cue, I'm already desiring it. Does that, does that make sense a little bit? Okay. Um, so... Um, oh gosh, okay, we're, we're running out of time. Um, uh, okay, so uh, a couple ways this is, this is um, obvious. So uh, obviously this works with smoking, right? I mean, if, if, you're a, if you're a smoker, you find yourself craving your, your, your cigarettes before you get them. If you don't get them, by the way, the lack of the reward is a big loss, right, because you have that craving. Um, but it's true with other things. Um, anybody... Um, I'm, the day when I mostly got email on my computer, um, I would have this ding that would go off when I was working, ding, and, and, and my computer would say, you've got, you've got mail or whatever. Um, and, and now my phone vibrates, right? Where I, I turn that off because it drives me crazy, but for a while, my phone would vibrate every time I got an email. Um, I don't know about you, but I had this overpowering urge to go see what the email was. And I know that many of those emails are junk, right? It's probably Pier 1 trying to get me to buy their credit card again. Um, but, but I, just, I just have to know, right? The, the cue is the ding, right? Or the vibration on my phone. It's the thing that says, you've got mail. Uh, and the reward is knowing, right? I mean, the reward is just, I, I, I want to know what it is. I have some sense of relief because I know. The routine is checking. But there's a craving that drives that, right? That as soon as the cue happens, I need it. Like, I need to know what that email is, right? I need a hit of my cigarette. Um, I need my coffee in the morning. That craving is the engine that drives your habit, okay? So... Um, you can create a habit. You can come up with your, your reward and your cue. Um, but if you don't work on your reward, um, it's not going to stick. Does that kind of make sense? Okay. Um, okay. Uh, and, and, and last thing on that, and we'll move on to cues really quickly. Um, <clears throat> let, let's say um, somebody had a habit, Sarah had a habit of exercising, running, working on the treadmill every day, right? Um, so we know the routine. Um, the, the reward, maybe the reward is my smoothie. I'm just making up the smoothie idea. It could be anything, right? Um, uh, if, if the reward is a Big Mac, it's not going to be a very effective reward. But, um, so the reward is my, my super healthy smoothie. Um, uh, to, to create that craving, to internalize that reward, I'm going to start um, intentionally thinking about the smoothie when I wake up, right? I'm going to train myself to crave the reward. Does that make sense? So it's not just that this has to happen naturally. It can happen naturally. But you can work on this habit formation by saying, all right, I'm going to look forward to that smoothie. I can't wait for the smoothie. The smoothie's going to be the best smoothie in the whole world. Smoothies are my favorite thing in the whole world. I've got to have a smoothie, right? Uh, and you, you train yourself to want the smoothie. Does that make sense? So uh, rather than saying, I want to exercise, that's not going to be effective, right? You're, you're, you're not going to initially crave that. Initially, you're going to train yourself to say, oh, I can't wait for my reward. Um, then over time, um, not only will you internalize your need for the reward, but you may say, oh, I'm finding some other rewards in my routine. 
right? I find that, like Jim was saying earlier, I, I feel better when I do my devotional. I didn't know that originally. Originally, I did the devotional because I, I wanted my coffee. Um, but now, there's a new reward. What is more internal, and I find that I've been in this. Boy, I feel great when I do my devotional. I feel better about my day when I exercise. All those endorphins are firing, and I just feel good about myself. Um, and then over because a new reward emerges that's more internal. Okay? But if I don't get the endorphins of exercising. Because the, the, the pain of exercising makes sense? Okay, a little bit? Okay, any questions about that reward formation idea? Um, so two big ideas about rewards. The first is um, I, I want you to form your habit with a long but you need a short-term gain, right? To that craving so that ultimately you move from an external uh, reward to an internal reward. That's going to help you stick it longer, okay? All right, I just want to spend a few minutes then on, um, on cues and cue formation. Um, re- rewards the hard part. Cues are a lot easier, okay? Um, <clears throat> and we said this earlier, but... Uh, if you're, if you're going to um, um, go to bed earlier, go to bed on time, you guys have a bunch of good ideas for cues, right? You could um, set your phone to go off. You could check the clock. Um, you could, um, uh, I don't know, you could set the timer on the stove. doesn't matter, right? Um, th- there are some things that make for good and bad cues, however, okay? Uh, so it's a bad cue if you're not going to come across it naturally. So, for example... Um, if I'm at home and it's in the evening and I'm trying to go to bed at 10 o'clock and I, I tend to watch like Netflix and stuff, right? So I'm watching Netflix and I'm watching, um, I'm probably watching Daredevil, let's be honest. And I'm watching Daredevil on Netflix and I'm enjoying it so much. And Netflix has an autoplay thing, right? Where one ends and the next begins automatically unless you go into settings and turn that off, which you can turn off, which is nice. Um, I'm going to watch a couple Daredevil episodes and I'm going to look up at the clock and it's going to be 11 o'clock, right? I don't naturally look at that all the time, Okay. So looking at the clock may not be an effective cue for me. If it doesn't interrupt what I'm doing, if the cue doesn't demand my attention so that my body can engage, my brain can engage in the habit, it's not a good cue, okay? Um, uh, If I want to exercise in the morning, want to go to the gym every day, um, uh, having a gym membership in my wallet is not going to be an effective cue, right? I don't wake up in the morning and check my wallet. Not going to do it, right? Buying a lot of fancy gym clothes is not going to be an effective cue. I don't wake up in the morning and go look through my closet for gym clothes. Um, So a cue has to interrupt me. It has to be something that happens as consistently as the habit. So if my habit is a once a week thing, then I can have a once a week cue. If my habit's a once an hour thing, I have to have a once an hour cue. Okay? Does that that make sense? Okay? Um, Second thing that's really important about it, um, first, first, it's got to be uh, an interruption. uh, and it has to occur as, happen, as frequently as the desired habit. The second is it's got to occur on its own. Um, so I, I can't be the one that makes the cue, right? So, I mean, I can set an alarm on my phone. That's fine. But I can't say um, that uh, every morning when I wake up, I'm going to remember to do my quiet time. I'm not going to remember. I'm not a good cue, right? I need an external cue. Now, it's fine. I can set an alarm on my phone at 9 a.m. That might be the cue, right? Um, but, but I can't rely on me and my memory. Does that make sense? Um, that's the whole problem, right? It's, I'm not logical. I'm not going to remember. It's not about memory and logic. It's about this different part of my brain. Uh, the last thing that's really critical about, about cue formation <clears throat> is it's got to be something that's pretty stable and consistent. So we talked last time about the idea that habits are delicate, right? Habits are durable. Once you learn a habit, it never goes away. You still know how to ride a bike, despite how long it's been since you last rode a bike. But they're delicate as well. If the cue doesn't come up, your brain will not engage in the habit or the habit loop. So um, I don't want to be the guy that checks my phone every 30 seconds, so I turn off the alert that vibrates when I get an email. Now that habit loop is gone. I mean, if, if it buzzed, I would check it. It's not gone. It's just, it's just broken because I don't get the buzzing anymore. Right? Um, I used to get the, um, anybody ever get the phantom ring where you think your phone is ringing, but it's not? Okay, a few people have had that. It's weird, right? It, I mean, it's a weird thing, but it used to happen to me all the time. I'd be sitting in my office and be like, oh, the phone's ringing. No, it's not. I'm out of my mind. So I would even get the phantom vibrate, which was super weird. So I changed my phone from the regular phone ring to that annoying car horn, right? Aooga kind of thing. 
it's gone. I no longer get the phantom ring, right? Because even I'm not that crazy to hear a car horn, right? Um, so if you interrupt the cue, it'll break the habit loop. So if you're building a new habit, you need a cue that's not going to get interrupted on a regular basis. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, there's an uh, um, old story about West Virginia miners. And I believe this is a true story, uh, that there's a um, community of, of, of um, men who were, were miners in West Virginia and uh, in this sort of small town. And, and these guys were pretty devoted to God and they wanted to do devotionals every time they woke up in the morning and every time when they went to bed in the evening. So they'd wake up in the morning uh, and um, they'd do their devotional and, and they'd get dressed and leave their Bible on their pillow. Okay? They'd come home and when they got to bed, before they go to bed, there's the Bible on the pillow. They have to pick it up and move it so they'd read it. And they put it down. Where do they put it down? Not on the floor. Not on the nightstand. On their shoes. Right? It's got to be something you can't avoid. So they put the Bible on their shoes in the morning. When they get up, they literally dress without picking up the Bible. Right? Uh, so they found a way to make a cue that was unavoidable. Um, that wasn't rooted in their behavior. Right? I mean, they're the one who put it there. But once it's there, they don't have to remember it. Um, and it's pretty stable. Right? That, that could happen every day of their life. Uh, and it did. Um, wonderful idea, by the way, if you're looking for a way to start a devotional. Um, put the Bible on your bed in the morning on your pillow. You've got to pick it up to read it before you go to sleep. Put it on your shoe. Now, problem is, if you're a woman, you've got a lot of shoes. <laughs> if you're a West Virginia miner, you've got one pair of shoes, right? So it works really well. Um, but, but I love that idea, right? It's, it's, just, it's, a, it's a fantastic way to... Um, whatever you're, if you're working on a new habit, whatever that is, um, the routine is easy, right? You already know the routine. It's a given. Um, the reward is complex. Uh, you got to figure out what it is. You got to have a long-term goal, but with a short-term gain. You got to work. Start with external and work towards internal. And then the the cue is whatever you want it to be, right? I mean, the the cue is really simple, but it's got to be uh, stable and it's got to be um, uh, occurring naturally. It's got to happen as often as you want to do that event. Um, uh, it's an it's an incredibly um, simple way to create a habit. Now, doing it is harder than saying it, right? Um, but it's totally doable. Okay, so I want to stop there um, for a minute, uh, maybe, maybe for the evening because I'm running out of time anyway. Um, uh, what, what questions do you have about that process? Um, what questions do you have about that idea of that kind of cue reward concept? Um, about making a cue or making a reward? Yeah. Uh, the, so if you have multiple habits you want to create at once, I mean, you can create more than one habit at once. You can build more than one habit loop at one time. Sure you can. It, it's probably easier to do one at a time, uh, but you can create multiple habits at once uh, as long as you have a defined loop. So if, let's say I, I, I want to create the habit of going to bed at 10 o'clock and I want to create the habit of exercising in the morning. Um, I can link those, right? I mean, so last week I talked about the idea um, which is the, that there's, there's Sometimes there's one behavior that if you change that, it changes a lot of other behaviors um, sequentially. So I personally find that I like to eat McDonald's, right? I think McDonald's is delicious. Now, it's, I realize it's not delicious, right? I, I get that, but I have told myself it's delicious. Um, the way to get out of eating McDonald's for me is not to diet, and it's not to say I'm not going to eat McDonald's. Those don't work. It's to exercise, right? When I exercise, I find I don't want McDonald's, right? When I exercise, I find... I start craving like apples and oranges and um, meat and all kinds of good things. Uh, there's not very much meat in McDonald's meat, I don't think. Uh, uh, so McDonald's doesn't satisfy me, right? So, so the, the keystone habit for me is if I exercise, this other one will come along with it, right? So you may find that, boy, um, I struggle to exercise and I struggle to go to bed at a reasonable hour and I struggle to do my devotionals. There might be a way to, to tie those together in an organic way. Um, the, the, the danger is if you, if you make a mess of it, you're not going to do any of them effectively. So if, you, if there's not an obvious organic way to say, boy, um, when I go to bed at a reasonable hour, I feel so much better about waking up early to exercise, and I really love the reward of waking up early to exercise and my coffee and whatever else. Uh, if, I, if I can't do that naturally, then I'd say do one habit at a time. But sometimes there is one of those key habits that, that affects other things. Yeah, good question. Other questions? Okay, you guys are an easy crowd tonight. Um, so, so, oh, yeah, Tom.
Yeah, okay, great. Yes. Okay, good. So, so uh, excellent question. The question is, um, this is all about starting a habit. What if I want to change a routine, that, a habit I already have? Um, so we'll talk about that more next week, but, but the, um, the, the short answer is, it's very, very difficult to change cues, and it's very, very difficult to change rewards once they're established. So if I find, um, uh, if I find that I have a habit of um, drinking coffee in the morning, and my reward is the coffee tastes delicious, right? And I love it. I love how alert, I mean, I love how alert it makes me. I love how um, it shapes my day. Um, I might be able to get a different reward, but it's going to have to be pretty similar. I'm going to need something that gives me that same experience of feeling alert and awake and starting my day well. And it may not be coffee. Maybe it's something else. But I'm not going to be able to say I don't want that reward anymore. Because if I've created a habit, I've been effective at creating a habit, whether it was intentional or unintentional, uh, now I've got a craving. Um, So craving of um, coffee is really good, um, and it makes me feel really good. And uh, to just say, I don't want to do this anymore, well, the craving is still there. Once I've built the habit, I'm just going to be bitter that I'm not getting my coffee, and then I'm going to be grumpy and have no coffee. It's a deadly combination. Um, So... um, Ordinarily, I'd say, and we'll talk about this next week, but I'd say, um, you're going to have a hard time changing this. You're going to have a hard time changing your cue, too, right? So if your cue is, um, um, for the coffee, it's I wake up, right? I wake up and immediately want my coffee. Well, you're going to wake up every day. So if waking up is your cue to want coffee, you're going to want coffee every day. Um, So the only thing that's really easy to change is a routine. Once a habit loop is established, especially once you have the craving, the routine's the one thing you can most affect. Uh, And so we'll talk about that next week. What you have to do is say, all right, when I have this cue, what's a different routine? Um, that's, the, that's the key about how we're going to change habits. Yeah, good question. Okay. Okay. Um, we are just about out of time. Um, I, I want to ask you to, to work on your homework a little bit. So um, I know some of you have habits you want to change, and we'll work on that next week. If you've got a new habit you're trying to start, uh, I want to ask you to, to think today uh, or this week, about a cue and a reward that relates to your habit, okay? So if your habit is, um, I want to work on my deep breathing and uh, in the midst of stress, start brainstorming, what's a cue that uh, when I'm stressed would trigger me that'd be an effective cue to go into my deep breathing routine? Uh, and what's the reward I can give myself um, uh, that, that, that um, would, would cement that habit to make me crave it, to make me want to do my deep breathing when stress happens, Okay. Um, so think about what's your cue and what's your reward for your routine this week. Uh, I'd love to come back next week if you have some creative ideas. I'm really coffee with devotional idea. Come back and share. Hey, this is what I thought about this week I'm on my new, my new habit. Um, this is the reward or this is the cue I'm playing with. Okay. Um, next week, we're going to talk mostly about changing habits. Uh, and so if you've got a habit you want to change, fear not. We, we will help you with that next week, I hope. And um, uh, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that um, th- these two classes kind of relate, right? So the more you understand about cues and rewards, uh, the more you'll be effective at changing routines later as well. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, bit of business is I email you guys out. Um, I, I apologize I didn't do it this week, um, but next week I will email you out with the notes from the from this week and last week, and also the recordings if you want the audio file or whatever. That'll be it'll be there as well. Um, and it did. I actually successfully recorded it last week. It was kind of miraculous. So let's assume it's not going to work this week, but anyway. Um, so th- th- that'll be out via this, this probably next Tuesday as a reminder to show up. So. Um, okay, let me, let me close in prayer. Lord God, we are uh, so in awe of what you've done uh, and created us and, and the way you've wonderfully made. Um, we are so thankful that uh, you've to live into our bodies and our brains, but also to surpass them, to be supernatural. Uh, so we pray, Lord, that you would help us to use some of these skills to, to live into those long-term goals, to recognize that, um, that while we are not rational creatures, you've, you've given us the ability through your spirit and through uh, your word and through uh, the, the retraining of ourselves uh, to be more than we could be on our own. And so We pray this week, Lord, as we try to become more, as we try to become more fully who you want us to be and more fully who you designed us to be, uh, that you'd be in this process. You'd help us to work on the renewing of our minds. 
that we might offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you uh, as our spiritual act of worship. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Go in peace.